We continue from our previous session on understanding the distinctions between teaching and training. In this session, we will focus on gaining communication, trust, and agreements that are needed for training others and to identify and overcome key obstacles and barriers to effective learning and growth. Our goal is to help trainers adopt effective and successful strategies that produce transformation in the lives of those they seek to train. The session will enable you as a trainer to identify the personal obstacles and learning styles so that you can effectively address issues so that those being trained can rise beyond the hindrances to their success. So with that, let's dive into the conversation with Dennis Peacock. Well, Dennis, in this session, you talk about needing to identify some of the obstacles that people have that are going to prevent them from being in a place where they're going to train, be able to be trained effectively. Uh, you talk about um, spiritual uh, and intellectual uh, you know, strongholds and obstacles. You talk about uh, addictions, the fear of evaluation. You also bring up emotional obstacles which is a very interesting one. And I want us to talk a little bit about that. Why are emotional obstacles something that we need to ensure that they're not preventing people from receiving the kind of training uh, that they need to have? And more specifically, why are emotional obstacles perhaps more prevalent today than maybe they have been in the past? So um, for almost all of us, our primary exposure to being trained is our parental relationship. Mm. And unfortunately, uh, there are very, very few classes of any group or organization that is teaching and training parents how to train children. So you have I would say a large majority of parents who have no confidence or skill set in knowing how to teach, let alone train children. Which means if the parents did not have skills in doing that, those children are going to have very serious challenges as a general rule with being uh, trained, maybe not taught. Because again, teaching does not require the same emotional buy-in. Uh, but training is a totally different thing. Training is immediate correction and immediate feedback, which teaching gives you almost none of that. The only feedback we get on teaching is the letter grades we get from our teachers. Mm -hmm. That's you know, which is a very limited form of instruction. Mm -hmm. But training requires an emotional connection between the trainer and the trainee. And based upon where that parental relationship stands, uh, that gets really complicated. So to your second part of that question, I would say as sparse as parental skill sets were in my generation, which is three back by now, uh, it was still a whole lot more than we have today. Mm. So you've got parents who are afraid of their children. 
I run into them in Safeway <laughs> shopping, you know, regularly. I run into them on airplanes where they scream and will not start, or stop rather. And uh, the evidence is very clear that the parental skills are going down, not up, which is a real problem because a lot of jobs, not all, but a lot of jobs require training, not just teaching, but training. So any emotional blockages is going to make that hard uh, to train. And I've seen numbers of people who, once they get into the training, uh, take it personal. You know, how do they take correction? Uh, they don't do well when they're corrected. Mm -hmm. And again, that's a skill set we've all got to develop is the ability to respond properly to immediate correction or critical correction. And sometimes parents or those who are uh, mentoring us uh, are not really skilled at it and you know make a mess of it as well. So those are the comments that immediately come to mind. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the reasons why we've got to move past this obstacle is we were talking earlier in some of the other sessions about how as Christians we are to provide value uh, to our clients, to our employees, and to our customers. Um, and by providing value, it means that we've got to have a, a, another level of connection that is so much further than a transactional connection. Yes. Having connection implies having an emotional connection. You know, people want to buy our product not because it happens to be the cheapest that they can find, but because they know they're going to have a particular experience that they want when they come into our store or when they interact with our, uh, with our customer service executives or what, whatever the situation might be. They're, they're not just looking for a product, they're looking for an emotional connection when they're buying something. So if we're hamstrung on that issue, we're shortchanging our ability to serve our, our clients. Can you speak to that in terms of how do we how do we get past some of this emotional baggage? By the grace of God, <laughs> really. And by the way, I'm serious, as in asking everyone watching this video, do you pray for the people you work with? Mm. You know, I've yet to hear a sermon, as it were, on prayer that was specifically around praying about the people that you work with. And uh, I did a fair amount on that in, in a series I did on becoming fireproofing your job, where you'll be the last one left if there's a shutdown, because your value, in particular relational value, to the organization is so strong. And it's strengthened by praying for uh, the authority, your boss, whoever it is that's in authority, and the leadership team. Uh, that are there in that company, praying that every day I will have opportunities in the Holy Spirit to do something that calls attention, uh, not funny attention, but you know, normal attention in a normal workday where my Christianity, my values, my whatever, calls a, a gentlemanly attention to what I'm doing. Mm. So I'm serious when I say by praying, for those that we may have the responsibility to mentor, uh, that God would show us, again, their learning style, 
uh, epistemology is a big deal. You know, it's learn how to how do people learn. If I'm going to be training somebody, I've got to be pretty clear on how they learn, uh, trigger points, language that I need to use, especially corrective language that is not rejection but correction. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a very under taught area from my point of view about how to really walk in the Holy Spirit work is, is the prayer and the specificity of what you pray for the particular people that you're relating to at, at your place of work. Yeah. The other obstacle, I mean, there were several, but another obstacle that you mentioned was the issue of ethnic identity issues. Why is that an obstacle? to the ability to be trained, especially in today's day and age? Because it's potentially so volatile. Um, I would not, as an as a old white man, uh, there's a lot of places in our country that I would not want to go in and try and disciple anybody uh, just because of the animosity, again, around the, the whole division around slavery and racism and all that stuff. Racism exists. Some of it's very, I, I think the majority of it is unconscious mm. uh, rather than consciously viewing another ethnic group as being inferior. Um, and uh, I've often thought because, you know, I got involved in the civil rights movement way back when deeply and arrested and it went to jail in that big, uh, biggest student uh, revolt in history, probably still now. There were, we shut down Berkeley. Uh, yeah. With 864 of us got arrested, I was one. Mm. <clears throat> so I've been down that road. Uh, my uh, martial arts instructor was as black as he wanted to be. Mm. And, uh, you know, again, it helps me having been involved in athletics where you're forced into team positions with different ethnic groups, which, you know, for me was a great experience, wasn't negative. But the fragility right now, relationally, uh, around that is very complicated. And it's almost a one-on-one, -on -one, case by case situation. My advice, if anybody is watching that is in that situation, is to gently and candidly address it you know, up front. And, you know, I would begin with, look, I'm very much aware that there's racism and I don't know what I would feel like if my ancestry had been enslaved. It wouldn't be good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I know, I just want you to know that to the best of my ability, uh, I'm, you know, you being African-American or you being Asian or you being uh, Hispanic or whatever the case may be, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. And if you need to say something to me about that, please do. Because mm -hmm. I know the only way we'll be able to really have a relational exchange mm -hmm. is if there's an honesty in our relationship. Right. And that level of animosity between people, whether it's emotional, whether it's ethnic tensions and so on, for there to be effective training that is going to take place, those animosities have to be dealt with and, and removed so that we can have relational-based training that is that's going to produce the outcome we want. 
Yeah, and this also reveals whether or not somebody is humble. Uh, either in either case, whether a black man's humble enough to learn from a white man, or a white man humble enough to learn from a black man. It was easy in martial arts because you either did exactly, you know, you noted in this teaching we talk about emulate before you begin to experiment on your own. Mm -hmm. And again, I owe the Japanese a lot in mm -hmm. terms of what I learned from their teaching mm -hmm. methodology. Their emphasis was do exactly what I do and do it the way I do it. Mm. And I don't want you training extemporaneously mm. until you can do what I do, don't be creative. Yeah. And they were after something when mm. they're doing that. They were after humility because humility is the ceiling, the limitation that we all have to a greater or lesser degree is, is there a set of excellence that when I get to, I will stop? Or am I going to be what the Japanese, uh, you know, call constant learning? Am I going to continue to learn without pride all the way indefinitely, you know, until I leave the planet in a, yeah. in a given area? So if you see somebody who recognizes that, and they're training you that you see they are way beyond where you are, and you're into excellence, now we're going to find out where is your view of excellence. Then, yeah. if you're into excellence, you're going to do everything you can to get the transmission of their knowledge into your experience yeah. for every reason, right. not just personal, but for the sake of the company. Yeah. So again, teaching doesn't do on one level anything except show us who's got a good memory or who's smart or who can be smart for a grade for two weeks and then it's all empty. I run right. into a lot of people who, <laughs> I have no clue what I learned in college because <laughs> it was all learned around examinations. Right. But when you get into training, now you're into the real deal. Well, Dennis, thank you. And we're looking forward to getting into that real deal of seeing the transformation take place, which is ultimately what the training is about. So thank you, I appreciate Amen. it. Thanks for listening to The Point from Bridgepoint Forum. This podcast is a portion of our full lecture and forum presentation. Bridgepoint Forum enables Christians to bridge faith and work by applying biblically-based economic principles, spiritual formation, and application for effective change in their workplace. Please visit us at bridgepointforum.org for more information.